Hey guys, welcome back to the show and thank you so much for tuning in. Today we are going to be talking about the absolute state of political division and there are actually several stories related to that theme that I want to go through starting with Matthew McConaughey. Now Matthew McConaughey is of course that actor that always goes all right, all right, all right and is probably best known for appearing in romantic comedies, being very tanned and shirtless. Recently he appeared on Russell Brand's podcast and the discussion turned to politics. I'll meet you in the middle. I actually think that is more of a dare right now than it's ever been. That spot again is not like, oh no, not going there. Somebody said to me that it's, oh yeah, meet you in the middle. You know, you know, it's in the middle of the road, McConaughey, yellow lines and dead armadillos. <laughs> I said, let me tell you something, but I said, I'm, I'm walking down the yellow line right now and the armadillos are running free, having a great time. I said, you know why? I said, the other two sides, the two, <laughs> the two vehicles on either side of the political aisle are so far apart their tires aren't even on the pavement anymore i think that all that that can relate to a lot of people on the, on the right of mm. going well you you dare me you know it's like this covid thing it's like I had to go whoa this 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 enemy doesn't want hand-to-hand combat don't run out <laughs> don't run out on your don't run out on the street with your with your gun and knives to try and fight this one on the on the the the, the, the far left that would go well who do there is a lot on that illiberal left that absolutely condescend, patronize, and are arrogant towards that other 50%. Many people were in, I'm sure you saw it, in our industry when Trump was voted in four years ago. They were in denial that it was actually, that it was real. If you want to watch that clip in its entirety, you can find it on Russell Brand's YouTube channel, or you can just listen to the whole podcast, which actually covers a lot more than politics. But Basically, for our purposes, the main takeaway is that Matthew McConaughey was advocating for radical centrism and had some criticisms for both the left and the right. And you know what? Even though I do not consider myself a centrist, I'm pretty firmly on the right for most issues. And I very strongly disagree with Matthew McConaughey that the right just needs to accept fraudulent election results. But overall, Honestly, I think this was one of the more reasonable takes on politics that I've heard from a celebrity. But obviously, since we're living in 2020 and we just can't have nice things anymore, it didn't take long for people to interpret what Matthew McConaughey was saying about just needing to come together as a, uh, a dog whistle for basically white nationalism. In response to the interview, one user on social media said, turns out this whole time Matthew McConaughey was saying, I'll try it, I'll try it, I'll try it. Yeah, because it's certainly alt-right to say that you shouldn't con descend toward working class people. I don't know. Is, is the left trying to make the alt-right seem like just all reasonable people? Because it seems to me that's kind of what they're doing. Someone else said, for Matthew McConaughey to compare liberal reaction to Trump's win in 16 and Trump voters' reaction now is absurd. We didn't question whether he'd won, only the legitimacy of the Electoral College as an institution. Trumpkins reject facts themselves and spin conspiracy BS. I would take that post a lot more seriously if it weren't completely false. I mean, because the left has questioned whether Trump legitimately won, right? I mean, there was this whole thing about Russian collusion, Russiagate, an entire congressional investigation. Is this ringing any bells? Someone else noted, so apparently Matthew McConaughey is defending white people on the right. Oh, the horror. F that. I'm a white guy from the South, and trust me when I tell you the vast majority of white Republicans are vile and racist AF. Forgiving and making peace with them is the worst mistake we can make. Yeah, guys, I hate to break it to you, but it's not looking like 2021 is going to be 
any more unified than 2020, regardless of who ends up becoming president. It's just this, I'd say it's getting worse. Things are getting worse. I also find it interesting how these people now regard Trump supporters as so abhorrent that you just need to sympathize with them to yourself become deplorable. It's like being a Nazi sympathizer. Like you don't even need to support Trump yourself, but if you even for a second try to place yourself in a Trump supporter's shoes, well, that's that's just as bad. You're racist by proxy and therefore just pretty much racist. And I know some of you might be wondering, well, why should we care what people think of Matthew McConaughey? What are you, some sort of huge Matthew McConaughey fan? And I will admit, I did like Sahara. That was that was a fun movie. It was a good time. Family friendly as well. But this is actually more important because it illustrates just how divisive political discourse has become. Now we're not only seeing people being canceled for being Trump supporters or suspected Trump supporters. It's gotten to the point where even just trying to defend or make nice or sympathize with Trump supporters is also unacceptable. How are we supposed to come together when anyone who even attempts to reach out to the other side is effectively shunned? Just doesn't seem very likely, now does it? We have more to talk about, but first, I want to save you all some money with Gappy. So you, you know you're probably overpaying for car insurance, right? homeowner's insurance too. And sure, you would love to save money, but spending hours shopping, comparing rates and coverage to, at the end of the day, only maybe save a few bucks, perhaps that's not worth it. Well, this is where Gabby comes in. Gabby does all of the work for you in just a few minutes and get this, Gabby customers save on average $961 per year. Gabby takes the pain out of shopping for insurance by giving you an apples to apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers. We're talking places like Progressive, Nationwide, and Travelers. Just link your current insurance account and in minutes, you'll be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage you already have. And Gabby is not just a time saver, it's also a money saver. Like I said earlier, Gabby customers on average save around $961 per year. I bet that would be very nice to have in your pocket, especially coming up to the holidays. And if they can't find you savings like they have for so many others, well then, hey, at least you can relax knowing that you have the best rate out there and they'll never sell your info so there's no annoying spam or robocalls. You're probably overpaying on car and home insurance, so see how much Gabby can save you. It's totally free to check and there is zero obligation. Go to gabby.com slash Lauren. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash Lauren. Again, gabby.com slash Lauren. So now we've talked before on the show about the Overton window and how the far left keeps pushing it leftward. And I think this whole Matthew McConaughey debacle is a great example of that. Over the past few years, we've seen how people have been canceled, called out, and had online mobs go after them simply for being conservative or a Trump supporter. But now with Matthew McConaughey, we're seeing him get pretty much the exact same treatment, not for being a Trump supporter or conservative himself, but for merely trying to sympathize with them. And furthermore, I don't think that Matthew McConaughey is just being punished, shall we say, for sympathizing with right-wingers. I also think he's being punished for daring to criticize the far left because as we all know, these people love power and they need everybody to fall in line. So when someone like Matthew McConaughey dares to speak out against them in like pretty much any way, you can almost guarantee that they're gonna face backlash for it. And it's funny because these progressives love to think of themselves as the resistance, but think about it. You can badmouth Trump supporters and the right conservatives 
Christians all you want, but the minute you say something even slightly critical about how the left does things, well, that's enough to perhaps even ruin your career. And it's kind of funny, you know, because for all of the times I've been called radical, intolerant, and fringe by the far left, trust me, that that happens a lot. At least I'm not the one who's trying to basically deperson someone and just remove them from society for having the wrong viewpoints. Like, I don't do that. If you're, if you're watching this show, odds are you don't either. But somehow they've managed to warp the narrative to make it seem like we are the fascists, the authoritarians. Okay. But anyway, this whole situation with Matthew McConaughey and the intolerance toward Trump supporters, it did remind me of a piece I recently saw written by, ooh, a little, a little gem named Wajahat Ali. So the piece is a New York Times op-ed, which, I mean, essentially, I think tells you all you need to know, but it's called Reach Out to Trump Supporters They Said, I Tried. So if you're not familiar with Wajahat Ali, which I'm probably mispronouncing, in which case I preemptively apologize for the microaggression, I suppose, he is, he is one of the more deranged blue check marks on Twitter. And even just before I read the article, that headline made me laugh. The idea that Wajahat Ali would actually reach out to Trump supporters because, I mean, just let's, let's go through some of his posts. If you're not familiar with him, th this should give you some good insight as to why I think this is so hilarious. He recently wrote that, quote, when we called Trump's base a death cult, they thought we were being too harsh and extreme. Well, I give you their response to the pandemic. Fellow Americans radicalized by a counter-majoritarian GOP, they'll get worse. Reaching out to Trump supporters, calling them a radical death cult. You know, in, in Ali's defense, I guess you could you could say those are similar approaches. Yeah. He starts by writing that 73 million Americans voted for Donald Trump. He doubled down on all his worst vices, and he was rewarded for it with 10 million more votes than he received in 2016. The majority of people of color rejected his cruelty and vulgarity. But along with others who voted for Joe Biden, we are now being lectured by a chorus of voices, including Pete Buttigieg and Ian Bremmer, to reach out to Trump voters and empathize with their pain. This is the same advice that was given after Mr. Trump's 2016 victory, and for nearly four years, I attempted to take it. Believe me, it's not worth it. I really want to remind you all that this piece was published in the New York Times, and yeah, it's an opinion piece, so they have plausible deniability. They could say, oh, we don't, we don't really believe this ourselves. It's just, it's his opinion. But I mean, come on, do you really think that the New York Times opinion board would actually publish a piece for example, calling Biden supporters trash? No, they would not. And I'm not saying that everyone on the left or all Democrats or everyone who voted for Biden thinks like Ali does, thank goodness. But I mean, when it comes to trying to bring communities together, how are you supposed to do that when some people don't even want to try? When you even just mention reconciliation or compromise and they say, no, thank you, you're a racist death cult member. And just after seeing all of this, can anyone at this point honestly say that Donald Trump is the one to blame for all of this division? Let's get back to his article, but before we do, I wanna to talk to you all about investments with our sponsor, Fundrise. We've heard for years that it is so important to have a diversified portfolio, things like stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and more. But if you've ever looked at a breakdown of the most successful portfolios, you'll typically see a diverse set of real estate. So 
why isn't it one of the first asset classes you consider when you're looking to diversify? Well, the answer is simple because it hasn't been available to investors like you and me until now that is thanks to Fundrise. They make it easy for all investors to diversify by building you a portfolio of institutional quality real estate investments. So whether you're just starting to invest in real estate or looking to add more, our friends at Fundrise have you covered. Here's how. Fundrise is an investing platform that makes investing in high quality, high potential real estate as easy as investing in your favorite stock or mutual fund. Whether you're looking to add stable cash flow via dividends or you prefer long-term growth through appreciation, appreciation, Fundrise has you covered. To date, Fundrise manages more than $1 billion in assets for 130,000 plus investors. And since 2014, the Fundrise platform has averaged 8.7 to 12.4% annual returns. And investors have earned more than $79 million in dividends alone, which if you know anything about investments, you'll know is extremely impressive. So start building your better portfolio today. Get started at Fundrise.com slash Lauren to have your first 90 days of advisory fees waived. That's F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E dot com slash Lauren to have your first 90 days of advisory fees waived. Again, that's fundrise.com slash Lauren. And so at this point, with everything I know about Wajahat Ali, I was kind of curious to find out exactly what attempts to reach out to Trump supporters he had made. I mean, before contributing so vocally to the political division that we currently see, what had Ali allegedly done to try to heal it in the past. Well, according to this article, not much. As Ali explains, in late 2016, I told my speaking agency to book me for events in the states where Mr. Trump won. I wanted to talk to the people the media calls real Americans from the heartland, which is, of course, America's synonym for white people, Mr. Trump's most fervent base. Over the next four years, I gave more than a dozen talks to universities, companies, and a variety of faith-based communities. All right, now let's hear about some of those apparently terrible experiences he must have had with Trump supporters for him to now become so jaded as to not think it's even worth reaching out to them anymore. Well, as Ali explains, those in the audience who supported Mr. Trump came up to me and assured me they weren't racist. They often said they'd enjoyed the talk, if not my politics. Still, not one told me they'd wavered in their support for him. Instead, they repeated conspiracy theories and Fox News talking points about crooked Hillary. Others made comments like, you're a good moderate Muslim. How come others aren't like you? Wait, so he's saying that in these talks, the result was actually Trump supporters assuring him that they weren't racist and actually kind of admitting that they like him as a person even though they disagreed with his politics? That doesn't sound like much of a failure. I mean, sure, he did mention that none of the Trump supporters actually changed their political opinions, but still is trying to build bridges with the other side only supposed to be about bringing them over to your side instead of just learning how to get along together despite your differences? I don't know, but hey, maybe maybe his experiences with Trump supporters get way worse. Ali also writes about how in Ohio, quote, I spent 90 minutes on a drive to the airport with a retired Trump supporter. We were cordial to each other, we made jokes, and we shared stories about our families, but neither of us changed our outlook. They'll never take my guns, ever, he told me, explaining that his Facebook feed was filled with articles about how Mrs. Clinton and Democrats would kill the Second Amendment and steal his guns. Although he didn't like some of Mr. Trump's tone and comments, he didn't believe he was a racist in his heart. Okay, again, still not seeing why he thinks Trump supporters are so terrible. 
But let's continue. He also notes that in 2017, I was invited by the Aspen Institute, which hosts a festival known for attracting the wealthy and powerful, to discuss racism in America. At a private dinner after the event, I was introduced to a donor who I learned was a Trump supporter. As soon as I said white privilege, she began shooting me passive-aggressive quips about the virtues of meritocracy and hard work. She recommended I read Hillbilly Elegy, the best-selling book that has been criticized as glorified poverty porn promoting simplistic stereotypes about a diverse region. I'm really starting to get the feeling that perhaps Ali just doesn't like to spend time with people who disagree with him, even when it's on seemingly cordial terms. He seems to believe that unless talking with someone of a differing viewpoint ends in that other person agreeing with him, it was a waste of time, which is really just such a such a toxic worldview to have. And strangely enough, it seems like he has the most disdain for Trump supporters who are Muslims like himself. He says that I've even tried and failed to have productive conversations with Muslims who voted for Mr. Trump. Again, here, I think it's important to note that a productive conversation in Ali's mind seems to be one where the other person ends up changing their views so they align more with his own, not just understanding each other better or finding compromise. He says some love him for the tax cuts. Others listen only to Fox News, say both sides are the same, or believe he hasn't bombed Muslim countries. They're wrong. Many believe they are the good immigrants as they chase whiteness and run away from blackness all the way to the suburbs. I can't make people realize they have black and brown skin and will never be accepted as white. Ali concludes by saying, we cannot help people who refuse to help themselves. Mr. Trump is an extension of their id, their culture, their values, their greed. He is their defender and savior. He is their blunt instrument. He is their destructive drug of choice. Don't waste your time reaching out to Trump voters as I did. Look, if you are someone who views political discourse the way that Ali does, please know that you, you specifically are the reason why this polarization exists. And I will say that even though I find most people of Ali's ilk are on the left, it's not to say that people on the right who have the same mindset don't also exist. If someone is willing to have a civil conversation with you and is happy to live side by side with you, even if you don't have the same political views, then I think in this day and age that in and of itself, should be considered a win. We have to stop looking at politics as us versus them all the time. And don't get me wrong, yes, there are some people out there who I absolutely think of as my opponents, but it's not every single left-wing person, every single Biden supporter, and we, we can't get into the same trap that the far left has where we just want to generalize people and judge them based on their, their worst activists. In any case, that's pretty much all I have to say for now, and as always, I would like to know what you all think. Do you think that 2021 will be any better in terms of of countries coming together and healing these political divides. Why or why not? Let me know. But that's it for now. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you next time.